Now let me also speak uh, one chapter of uh, the book, uh, The Battle for Sanskrit. That is about the same topic actually, which now the Belgian professor was speaking about the Buddhism actually. Sheldon Pollock, how in his book, he wrote a book, Sheldon Pollock, he wrote a book uh, named The Language of the Gods in the World of Men. In his book, uh, he interpreted Buddhism uh, as contradicting to Vedic Dharma. This is what actually he wrote and he discussed, Raju Malhotra has discussed in his book. Now, uh, uh, on this chapter, I am just, uh, I have some points and I am speaking on this chapter. What actually uh, Sharon Pollock tried to do in his book, that he divides Vedic tradition and Buddhic tradition as mutually opposing traditions. He said that Buddhists challenged the authority of the Vedic tradition by possessing the by, by, by opposing this as animal sacrifices. But we have to remember that Vedic and Buddhist traditions are not contradicting each other. Animal sacrifices, of course, they have opposed. And many of them, not only Buddhists, even Charvakas have opposed animal sacrifice. But it doesn't mean that Buddhism came only to contradict the Vedic religion. Not like that. Because Buddha, when, he, when Buddha was born, he was very much Vedic, uh, he, he was born in Vedic tradition. Now tell me in which tradition he was born otherwise. He was very much born in Vedic tradition. We all say that he was uh, Kshatriya. Kshatriya, in which tradition this Kshatriya was there, only in Vedic tradition. So he was born as Vedic, uh, uh, in Vedic tradition and, uh, and therefore it is not contradicting at all. That is why, that is my, my, my point actually. My argument is Buddhism is not contradicting. Why you are again and again saying that Buddhism is contradicting to Vedic religion and this is not correct. Buddhism follows, actually if you read Buddhism, you will understand that Buddhism follows the Jnana, Karma, Bhakti theories. You all find these three theories in Buddhist literature. Actually what, uh, if you study Buddhism, because I did, um, uh, uh, I have studied Buddhism, I did, uh, I am postgraduated in Pali, not only in Sanskrit, I did research also. After realizing, after studying this Pali literature and also Mahayana Buddhism, I always realize that, always thinking that, uh, why actually people are contradicting each other, which are not at all real, which is not at all real, and they are not contradicting. Because, uh, actually if you, if you study with Buddhist literature, what Buddha, what he did is, Buddha emphasized on yoga, actually. He continued the yogic tradition in his Buddhist literature. He did nothing else that uh, only uh, continuing and researching and working on yogic tradition, yoga, actually. How now you say how he is working on yoga? Because yoga means actually, you see what Patanjali says in Yoga Darshana, yoga ha chitta vrtin Yoga Darshana says about the mind only. And Buddha always speaks about the mind. Dhammapada starts with the verse mind. Mano Bhubbangama Dhamma, Mano Bhubba Mano Maya, Manasachi Paduttena Bhasativa Karotiva Tatovanam Dukkhamanmedi. And not only that, later in, in Kuddhakanikaya also, in Diganikaya, everywhere Buddha you will find that he always Ashtanga Marga also. 
he always focuses on the mind you control your mind he says there are several um, uh, gathas and several passages i am not going to repeat all these things but he say he, he that is why i say that what he said and this yoga this mind researching on mind and controlling on mind and this is what actually vedic literature vedas also are saying same thing you see in rigveda you find this manas manas sukta there tanme manas shiva sankalpa vastu so this is what in vedic vedic mantra the same thing buddha also is saying mano pubbanga madhamma in this way if you think that this is not at all contradicting and in later mahayana buddhism if you see there is a yogachara school in mahayana buddhism it is completely based on mind study only they they are called a mind only theorists they say only mind is existing nothing else is existing that's what their theory so this is uh, always i am confusing in what way sanskrit language was misunderstood sanskrit literature was misunderstood in india and also everywhere why actually only on sanskrit always attacks on sanskrit and misunderstanding on sanskrit literature why misunderstanding buddhism also why you are not properly understanding perfectly you are not understanding this is the problem one of the problem in the field of indology and this problem is being created by some scholars like shallan polak i think that's why he criticized and also he researched on his books rajiv malhotra ji and we have to do also that and uh, <clears throat> what shallan polak says that uh, buddhism only brought the literature in india means uh, there was no writing style in sanskrit and due to uh, before buddhism actually there were only vedic vedic mantras brahmans used to before buddha not just in, um, meaning meaning he said that uh, only meaningless chantings of the vedic mantras were existing these poems and uh, creative writing was not there in india which was introduced by buddhism which is not at all correct and let us think that uh, before buddha buddha what was there in india do you think that this is just meaningless chanting of the vedas were there it's not at all correct it is not correct that vedic sages were only fire worshipers he said that only fire worshipers they were just used to fire only that nothing else buddhism brought the creativity and the creative literature everything has it is not correct see the vedas once did you study the veda if you see the veda you will find many many philosophical cosmological discussions for example asyavamiya sukta and nasadiya sukta and various suktas of rigveda you know what is the matter of the uh, asyavamiya sukta and nasadiya sukta they discussed how this creation actually originated nasadasi sadasi you see this the profound discussions have taken place in vedas then how you say that uh, how sheldon pollock said that only repeated chantings were there and buddhism brought this, uh, this this is not correct and uh, um, we have profound philosophical discussions not only in vedas brahmanas aranyakas upanishads are known for these discussions upanishads are before the buddha and uh, he also said that uh, this writing and everything civilization and uh, this uh, this uh, creative writing everything came from uh, uh by by the foreign uh, kushans and shakas and uh, because they came from central asia and they have introduced all these writing system and uh, skills and all that which is not correct again 
Before that only, as we can find in Vedic literature, we have so much science. In Chandogya Upanishad also we can find that Ekaevahu Rasadevagra Asit Ekaevadvitiyam Tasma Dasata Sanjayate All these things are, it's full of Vedic literature, it's full of profound discussions of philosophy. The relation of Buddha with the prior profound knowledge of Vedic sages can be proved in many ways, in various manners. Buddha was highly influenced by Sankhya philosophy, actually. And this Sankhya philosophy is not just coming just itself. Sankhya philosophy is uh, the development of the... Sankhya philosophy was basically found in Upanishads. And later on it became Sankhya philosophy and that was influenced. That has influenced Buddha. And Buddha was highly... They, because if you see the Buddha Darshana and Sankhya philosophy, both are very, very, very similar. Both are based on same principles. Sankhya also says, you see, these three worlds are, everything is full of sorrow, misery, pain, everything. Buddha also starts from Dukkha only. So in this way, we have so much similarity between Sankhya and Buddha. Sankhya was pre-existing before Buddha and Sankhya is, because it just came from Upanishads. And... Buddha's teacher was there, he, he studied Buddha because Buddha, when he came, he left his uh, palace and all of a sudden he could not become the great scholar. You see, he studied with various people. He had two teachers, Arada Kalama and Udrak Ramaputra. And Arada Kalama was a great master of Sankhya. And he studied the Sankhya system, that is why Buddha learned from him. And uh, in that way, Buddha was very much part of Vedic uh, tradition. Polo claims that Ramayana was composed by Valmiki based on the Jataka tales. This is very much uh, uh, unacceptable because uh, in Jataka, I also studied that in Jataka tales, there is one Jataka, Dasharatha Jataka. Uh, there is a small story actually, it's not very detailed, very, very brief uh, story, but uh, story is very different from Ramayana. There, uh, Sita is the sister of Rama and all such things are uh, described. And what Pollock says that uh, entire Ramayana, which is Adhikavya, you see about Ramayana it is said that Yavasthasyanti giraya, Yavat vindhyahimachalav, Tavat Ramayani katha lokeshu pracharishyati, as long as Himalayas are existing, huh? and uh, yeah, as long as Vindhya and uh, uh, this mountain is existing. So long Ramayana Katha continues. This is true also. You see, Ramayana is still continuing. Ever interesting story. We have seen several uh, movies and several serials, but still we are interested to know something, watch and see Ramayana story. Because uh, that is the greatness of Ramayana. And he is such a great poem, Ramayana, which is Adhikavya. How that great Indologist of America, he says that, you see, just based on Dasharatha Jataka, small. It is not at all acceptable. And uh, he says that, uh, in fact, uh, he says that actually Ramayana, the story of Rama is nothing but the just imitation of Buddha's story because uh, they have imitated Buddha. And in order to defend his arguments, he delayed the dates of Ramayana. Because he, what he said that oh, no, Ramayana was composed after Buddha. This is great injustice. But uh, uh, he could not supply the sufficient proofs for that.
in the ramayana if you see the ramayana you never mention you you will never see the mention of bauddha or jaina or buddhist or jains anything nothing else right nothing is found in ramayana if it is after buddha there should be some mention of ramayana buddha and jaina something but you never find any mention of buddhists or buddha or jains or jaina or anything so that is quite evident that ramayana was written earlier than much more before than buddhism and uh, and he delayed the date of ramayana and uh, and then he says that uh, and we cannot accept that because he could not give the proofs but we can give the proofs we can give the evidences because uh you see in ramayana kaushambi kanyakubja kampilya towns were mentioned but not the pataliputra because pataliputra town was developed in bc 380 during the regime of kalashoka so it is quite evident that that that's that why the pataliputra was not mentioned in ramayana these ancient towns are mentioned very much kaushambi kanyakubja kampilya and also in ramayana ayodhya was not named as saketa because saketa was named saketa is given to ayodhya only by buddhists so in buddhist literature in jatakas you will find this name saketa but not in ramayana so this is another evidence and uh, uh, he says that uh, and also he says the panadi also after buddha he says <laughs> yes very, very clearly and uh, however this is not uh, just polox theory there are many other western scholars before him german scholar winter nitsch keith and others have stated that uh, ramayana was composed after buddha and panadi after buddha but many western scholars and indian scholars have not accepted this view among them are the magdanol yakobi are very important they did not accept ramayana because uh, they said ramayana has composed much more earlier than buddhism and panini there is one famous scholar gold stucker he said that panadi belongs to 8th century bc so therefore uh, polox theory that panadi came afterwards because he he, he tried to convince it with various uh, uh, arguments because panadi used the yavana word yavana 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 means actually greeks it is referred to greek because uh, yavana the ones he panini uses yavana means that means panini sashta jayi was written only after alexander's invasion that's what is conclusion but before alexander's invasion panini already knows about the yavanas not only not alexander's invasion was not needed for uh, the yavanas uh, knowledge of panini because panini was born in attack in uh, uh, in present afghanistan and uh, pakistan area so there uh, yavanas used to come at that time that's why he knows about yavanas already before alexander therefore he used yavana word so in this way this uh, uh, literature 
has been uh, misunderstood and uh, uh, this is what I find actually. Uh, this is a, a indirect uh, attack on our culture and our language. They want to prove that, uh, you see, Sanskrit is not very ancient. Uh, Buddhism is contradicting to Vedic religion. And uh, Pali is, uh, again, again there is another problem with the Pali. People immediately, because I studied Pali, I am teaching also in our center Pali, people immediately ask me, Pali is ancient or Sanskrit is ancient? Pali is older. This is a question. Everybody asks. This became habit of the way. I, I immediately say that don't ask this question. Whichever may be ancient. Both are ancient languages. First you try to learn any one language first. <laughs> Before learning, what they say? Pali pale, Sanskrit pale. They ask. So, I confuse actually. <laughs> So first you learn any one language at least. Because both languages are great languages. Both languages contain great literature. I tell you really. You must read Pali literature. It is a storehouse of our Indian history. Prakrit literature, storehouse of Indian literary, history, culture, traditions. Without learning, without trying to learn, people always try to, try to, try to, we never ask that uh, other, any other science disciplines, uh, chemistry is first or physics is first. We never ask like that. <laughs> but they ask <laughs> always, this Pali is first or Sanskrit. And immediately they put, Sanskrit is dead or alive. All these questions are coming only on these subjects because uh, they became habituated because we are habituated with such researches, Pollock's researches. And there are many other scholars also. So, um, what I request all friends and also academicians, please try to read if you have any time, try to learn these languages. Really, I am not just emphasizing because I studied Sanskrit. Any scholar, any academician, once he tries to learn, he enters into this language, he will know something about the literature. He never, he never goes back from this literature because such a great intellectual genius, everything is there. And also in Sanskrit literature, everything is there. And also people don't consider Sanskrit is not just language. You see, recently I put one school proposal for our center. People thought, thought that, oh, it's just a language, you want to consider school? Not like that, actually. It's not just language. Sanskrit was the medium of a lot of science and literature. And uh, you see, there is one proverb in Sanskrit, kati kavayaha, kati krutayaha, kati nashtaha, kati labdha. So many, so much literature has been destroyed, disappeared, you know. Still, we have at least uh, two lakhs Sanskrit books are existing in Sanskrit. In spite of all this, uh, uh, this uh, destruction, disappearance, you see, when nations divided, a lot of literature has gone. And when Nalanda library was burned, so much literature was burned. And in spite of that, K.T. Ganapati Shastri recently, he, he, he wrote a book that still, we have at least five lakhs manuscripts are available in Sanskrit, he wrote. Now still in Tibet and China also, Tibet, particularly Tibet and uh, monasteries, unexplored monasteries have they still, there may be possibility of Sanskrit, uh, because there is another version again, lot of literature is available in Chinese and Tibetan languages. Originals are Sanskrit, but only originals are have lost and only translations are available. You ask any Chinese professor, he will tell. So, such a vast literature it is. 
and uh, that's why it's not just language we have so much science in it we have astrology we have great grammar and also we have ayurveda literary history so much literature ayurveda literature <laughs> and uh, we have physics we have chemistry everything was there in you see sanskrit these sciences were not divided in ancient india everything was there in one single book so that is why we have universities not just schools we are asking for school but there are universities on sanskrit you see at least 15 universities are there on sanskrit in india now why university on language you can just imagine why can there be any university on language for language one language course is enough why there are university because sanskrit is not just language it contains lot of science literature so much therefore we need big uh, institutions for that such a vast literature such a great sanskrit was misunderstood by westerns and also by indians also because we are not trying to learn it so such uh, i am very happy because rajiv malhotra ji i don't know so much because i know but uh, in spite of that because of his writings because of his book such uh, uh, stimulation he has given to us and we had to think about these uh, problems we should try to uh, understand these uh, problems uh, in a proper manner and uh, we should understand that these are not contradicting buddhism and vedic religion is not contradicting sanskrit is a great you should understand that uh, these problems are very positively discussed in this book and uh, thank you for uh, giving this opportunity thank you